Scripture reading is from Acts chapter 10. In your bulletin, we're going to start down the page there at verse 20, uh, 34. Verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of the peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know that what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God anointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. We'll stop there. I wanted to speak today about the worldwide nature of the family of God, the desire of God to include all peoples in his family. And there are hundreds of places in the Bible that speak to that. The Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, and the New Testament, the Christian portion of the Bible. It's not a new theme with Christ. It was God's stated intent all along that he would bless the entire world. But as I looked through all the passages, I thought maybe it's better just to key in on this one. Acts chapter 10. The first Gentiles who were sought out, given the gospel, and whose lives were changed as they heard the good news about Jesus Christ. This is a key passage. It starts this way. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Um, a few things to draw to your attention. Uh, centurions are always spoken of well in the New Testament. Uh, important piece of the Roman army. They're the backbone of the Roman army. Centurion means hundred. You're over a hundred men. They would be the equivalent to our... Uh, captains today, more than a lieutenant, uh, about like a captain. However, they were also like sergeants. 
So sergeants, lieutenants, and captains all rolled, in, all rolled into, one, into one officer. They were uh, usually uh, individuals who had uh, grown up in the Army and uh, had spent their entire careers. These are enlisted men who had risen through the ranks. They have the experience, and uh, they know how to command people. And always spoken of well in the New Testament. And here's a centurion. He belongs to the Italian regiment. That's as good as it gets in the Roman army. To belong to the Italian regiment uh, means that you are all from Italy. And uh, probably a number of you could even be Roman citizens. And so you are really considered loyal, faithful, trustworthy. You're, you're the key to the Roman army. 600 men, a regiment. And here they are stationed in Caesarea, the Roman capital of Israel. And this centurion follows the Lord. He believes in God. And uh, not only does he believe in God and worships God, he also does all he can for the poor and regularly gives money to help those in need. And it says it two or three times in the text that, that that is what he does. Not only does he do that, he prays often. And his whole family did. Not only his family, he has a number of friends who worship with him. And so with that, I've got three points for you about Cornelius. Number one, you need to live up to the light you have. Live up to the light you have. Uh, he doesn't have the gospel. He doesn't know. He hasn't heard Jesus Christ speak. He doesn't know about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what he knows, he lives, he lives it. And uh, I, I would, we would probably call him a seeker today. But what he knows about God, that's what he's doing. Live up to the light you have. Number two, good deeds are not enough. You need more. So I would think after we read what we just read about Cornelius, you might be sitting here and going, this is a pretty good man. God should send his angel and the angel should say, Cornelius, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. That's not what the angel says. The angel says, you need to send for Peter. And as you read through the rest of the story, the angel says, you need to listen to what he says, and you need to obey what he tells you. Good deeds are not enough. You need more. And number three, the angel tells them they need a preacher. Tells them exactly the one. Okay, that's Cornelius. Peter, starting in verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened, 
something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten, eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. Three times a sheet comes down from heaven with all these animals on it and the voice says, Peter, kill and eat, and Peter refuses. Three times. Don't call unclean what God has made clean. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So Peter... And uh, let me draw five things to your attention. Number one, he's staying in the house of Simon the Tanner, which would be unusual even for a Jew, to stay in the house of someone who is constantly touching dead animals and uh, dead things. That, that's unusual. But that's the, that's the thing about Christians, right? We're open to people. We're a little different. Secondly, notice Peter's on the roof to pray. And in the book of Acts, praying is repeated over and over again. God's people are always in prayer. That's what we should be doing. Notice Cornelius, the man who is seeking after God and wanting to be good, spends time in prayer. Peter, the apostle, the one who knows Jesus Christ, he's spending time in prayer. In other words, you, you should be praying. Thirdly, Peter has the vision of animals and God telling him to eat. And I thought, what could be on that sheet that he's telling him to eat? And I put down chicken, lamb, deer, dog, pig, lizard, snake, raccoon, porcupine. Who in here's had porcupine? Two people. I knew I, I was talking to somebody the past year who told me they used to love porcupine. And uh, they had porcupine all the time. Actually, I thought it was Doug Dorn that ate porcupine. But maybe I was wrong about that. I go, maybe there were lobsters and crabs on there too. And uh, most of those, is that you again, Dan? Of course, a Jewish person could not eat any of those, hardly any of those things. They're unclean animals. Pigs are unclean, lizards unclean, crabs unclean, lobsters unclean, porcupines unclean. All those things unclean, you can't eat them. It's 
they're impure. But God says you eat them. Go ahead and eat them. In other words, God is, God is changing things up. God's saying it's all clean. And then a Gentile shows up at the door. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. The beautiful thing is that Gentiles can be accepted. Even though we eat unclean foods. That should no longer be a problem. Finally, notice God's timing. While Peter sees the vision, they're in the city looking for him. And when Peter is done seeing the vision, they're calling out from the front door. And before they can run up to get Peter, the Holy Spirit's telling Peter, get downstairs. <laughs> Somebody's looking for you. That's God's timing. We'll come back to that. Verse 23. Cornelius and Peter. And I think this is where the passage starts in your bulletin. The next day, Peter started out with them. Some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Beautiful, that picture there. Cornelius wants to honor Peter, and he bows down and worships him. And, of course, Peter says, don't worship me. It's not about me. And then verse 25, Peter entered his house. Before this day, he has never entered the house of a Gentile. Never. This is the first time. Striking. Changes afoot. Talking with him, Peter went inside, found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You're well aware it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer, remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. You stop right there. This is great Father's Day message. This is a great father who has gathered his entire family to hear what Peter has to say. I think if I was if I I think if I was Cornelius I would go okay let me check him out first. <laughs> I'll listen to it then I'll decide but he's obedient to God. He's gathered everybody. This is God's man. I want all my friends and all my family to hear the message from God. Um this is what every father should be doing. Bringing his family to Christ. Having his family hear the word of God. 
And so here's what he says. Uh, Dan read the portion 34 through 43. Let me read it again. This is important. This is a presentation of the gospel very early in the church. And so you're hearing this is a simple message. Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Or he accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now that, Cornelius already knows. That's kind of like hearsay. This is the news. Now he tells them what, they, what he doesn't know. Here's why he sent for Peter. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify, testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Notice those last two verses as he narrows in on what you need to know and what you need to do. Verse 42, he commanded us to preach that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is the one who will judge you next in the, in the next life. Jesus is. He commanded, and all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You want forgiveness of sins, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ. The gospel message in a nutshell. On Wednesday afternoon, I went uh, for an afternoon of seminars at the hospice on palliative care. And uh, a presentation on the medical side of the hospice, about an hour and a half and what to expect when people die, and uh, how, to, how to know what will happen when people die. A good presentation. Then we had a presentation on the spiritual side of hospice care, or palliative care. And uh, the chaplain uh, had some very good ideas. And, uh, but this is, what the, this is what the chaplain's idea was that I didn't like. He said, when you go in to, the, to see the patient, uh, you have to work with the patient's agenda. And so you speak to them and find out what they want to talk and find out what they want to talk about and 
encourage them in whatever faith that they have. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's not what I'm going to do when I go into palliative care. (laughs) I have an agenda. And so I'm going to tell you my agenda. Okay, so if you go into palliative care, you're going to go, I know what Dave's going to say. This is what he's going to do. Number one, I'm going to read the scripture and pray. Okay, I hope you're not disappointed. That's what's going to happen. (laughs) I'm going there as your pastor, not as a chaplain. We're going to read the scripture and I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the scripture that talks about how good death is. Death is good, right? Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's better. So I will read a scripture passage that tells you how good death is so that while you're dying, you don't have to be afraid. You can think, you know something? The promises of Jesus are grand about eternal life and about what's going to happen to me when I die. Fourth, I'm going to ask you about your faith. Because your faith might be feeble and it might be wavering. And this is the time to strengthen your faith. And we'll talk about your faith. That's my agenda. That's what we're going to talk about and that's what we're going to do when I come and see you. I don't care what your agenda is. (laughs) That's my agenda. Okay, the other thing I will talk to you about is what do I need to do about your family and friends? What do I need to say? What do you want me to say to your family and friends? So that's the agenda I'm going to have when I go into palliative care. And you might have a different agenda. You get two minutes. I get eight minutes. Um, the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus says that uh, even, even if you're last, you will be first. So if you're lying on your deathbed and this is the first time you're putting your faith in Jesus Christ, no worries. He loves that and he honors it. Um, here's Peter going to Cornelius. And that's what he tells him. Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead. And you can have forgiveness of sins by believing in his name. People want to make things right on their deathbed. There's only one way to do that. Talk to the people you've offended and talk to Jesus Christ. Um, Notice verse 35. It's a mistake to isolate this verse by itself. Notice the verse says, In every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And if you were to just take that one verse, you could say people don't need to hear about Jesus Christ. Right? Just pull it out of there and go, wow, everybody's good with God. We don't need to tell them about Jesus. That's the whole opposite of of Luke's point in writing this. Luke's point in writing this is that Cornelius needs to hear about Christ. And he needs to come to Christ. One of the great things about this passage is that there is true pluralism at the foot of the cross. 
Because at the foot of the cross, it doesn't matter if you are a man or a woman, old or young, rich or poor, slave or free, Anglo-Saxon or African, Canadian, Indian, or Chinese, those things don't matter at the foot of the cross. Those don't have anything anything to do with regard to your acceptance before God. However, at the foot of the cross, the opposite of pluralism is exclusivism. And at the foot of the cross, there is exclusivism. Because there is only forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's why the world hates us. Right? Because we stand on that. Right? This is this is like the bottom, this is like the bottom rung for us as Christians, right? This is base, base, the bottom base. You can only have forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Without Christ, you're lost. You've got no hope. The world hates that. It's just an exclusive message that it's only in Jesus Christ you have salvation. And everybody was going to go, well, what about the Jews? Well, what about the Hindus? Right? This passage is for them. Right? This is a passage that speaks to where they're at. That if they're sincere and they're searching after God and they're doing things for Him, God finds a way to get them the message. And then they have, if they turn down Jesus Christ at that point, that's on them. I think if you live up to the light you have, God will give you more light. I forgot to bring out my, uh, got to bring out my uh, illustration. Don Richardson wrote a book, Eternity in Their Hearts. And uh, in, the, in the book, he came up with this idea that if you live up to the light that you have, God sends you more light. And he illustrates it a number of times throughout history. And one of the illustrations he uses is of a tribe in Ethiopia. And a man in the tribe of Ethiopia had a vision. And in the vision of the dream, he saw two white people come, up, come and set up a tent in the far, far, far reaches of their territory. And he thought, well, it's a strange dream. Eight years after he had the dream, Two white men from Canadian, from Canada, two white Canadians, <laughs> wanted to go into that region of Ethiopia and tell them about Christ. And the government said, you can't go into that region. It's too dangerous. But you can go to the very edge of their region if you want. They said, we'll do it. And they went there and they set up a tent And it just so happens that the man who had the vision also went and set up his tent there because he was waiting for them to come. And they shared the gospel of Christ. And today that region of Ethiopia is teeming with Christians because because of that one event. Just a few months ago I was reading in Christianity Today. An isolated tribe in Brazil... And uh, this isolated tribe in Brazil had a word for everyone who was not part of their tribe. The tribe was less than a thousand people. And the word for everyone that was not part of their tribe meant poor people, miserable, 
not very nice, pathetic people. That's what the word meant. And so every time they saw a stranger, that was the word they used. Poor, pathetic, useless person. But as time went on, their language actually flipped the meaning. So that in the last few years, the meaning of the word was, we the tribe people are poor, pathetic, useless, miserable. And everyone else, and they would see them from hiding in the jungle, they would see other people and they would think, they are wonderful, nice, happy people. The, the, the meaning had flipped. And they saw themselves as miserable and pathetic. And a young girl from Brazil decided that she wanted to reach out to her own countrymen. And she went to the village to share with them the gospel. And their response was, We've been waiting for somebody to come and talk to us and tell us the good news. Because God had prepared them. Notice how it ends. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. He's still speaking his message. He hasn't even given the invitation yet. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, that's the Jewish believers, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. <laughs> Those terrible, pathetic people. That's you and I. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Two quick applications. God wants people from every nation, language, and tribe to come into his family. He loves people. All people. As Christians, we need to be the same way. Love people of other cultures, love people of other colors, love people with different languages, love people with all kinds of weird habits. God wants us to love them, to share the gospel with them. And guess what? You can go into their homes Right? We have friends that won't come into our home because they're a different religion. We go into theirs. <laughs> As Christians, we can do that. Right? We can do that. Go into anybody's house and tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. That's the first application. Secondly, maybe you're listening today and you're an outstanding human being just like Cornelius. You recognize there's a God, you should live a good life and help others. And you're doing it. That's commendable. But it's not enough. There is something else. God wants you to come all the way. As we read through the story, it seems like serendipity that brings Cornelius and Peter together. But it's not serendipity at all. 
it's not luck. It's God working behind the scenes and God's working and his timing that brings Peter and Cornelius together at the right time. So maybe God has brought you here today to hear about Jesus Christ and hear that you can have forgiveness of sins through his name. Today's the day for you to respond to the testimony of Peter by the Holy Spirit. Repent of your sins. Ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. And God accepts you into his family. Let's look to the Lord in prayer.